Michael, this is all very confusing. This is On Markets with Remy Tino and Mike, the podcast where we decrypt and demystify economic, financial, and other investing concepts. In this episode, we hit number five on Tino's top 10 list of biggest mistakes he's made on his way to becoming a professional investor. And then we'll discuss some of the responses I received from a survey I sent out last week regarding this podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would like us to discuss something on the show, please email us at comments at onmarkets.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, give us a five-star rating. So tune in at number five, we're halfway through the list. Yeah, you know, uh, when it comes to the next one on the list, uh, uh, what I alluded to is reading all the time. Uh, I, I this is something that you know I work. I wake up pretty early in the morning, and and it's not just me. I think anybody in this industry, you probably spend a couple hours in the morning reading, and I I, t- I tend to spend anywhere between three and five hours a day. Uh, reading and uh, the the mistake I made initially was avoiding that. I I didn't want to read. I just wanted to get into the spreadsheets. I wanted to get into uh, the accounting and the numbers and and everything. And and I think a problem a big portion of that was growing up as a kid. Like I was a bad reader. I just hated doing it. So I just avoided it. But you know I had this idea that investing is all about numbers and it's it's quantitative and there's a process and a formula. And um, the mistake I learned along the way is that you know, the computers do the spreadsheets now. Like that, that stuff is already done for us. And really, I think what separates investors is being able to think and being able to reason and, and predict based off of original thought, or for that matter, leveraging thought of others. And the only way to do that is to read all the time. I mean, there's just no other way to do it. And it's not necessarily reading Benjamin Graham and all these other great uh, financial authors. It's incorporating psychology, history, sociology, uh, it's amazing the number of times you see patterns in nature that are replicated in markets. It's ama- I read a book one time about someone who watched the pattern of honeybees and how honeybees taught her how to do algorithmic investing better. So uh, it's one of the things I've carried with me for, for a long time now. Is it, it really had to force myself to read as much as possible, and it's changed my life. Tino, how do you find the time? I mean, I know you are a, a savage reader, but but how do you find the time to read all this stuff? It's easy. You just don't sleep. <laughs> so here's That's- here's my issue with the whole reading thing. It's that, you know, some of this stuff is so unbelievably dry that that I'll see an article. I want to read it. It looks like an interesting topic. I get halfway through it, and then I realize I'm thinking about something completely different. I got to start all over again. It's so hard for me to find, you know, authors that write about stuff that can write about it in a way that keeps you engaged. That's the big challenge, at least for me. It is a t- challenge. I think Remy, you you mentioned this to me a couple months ago. That old Mark Twain quote. And I'm gonna screw this up, but it's something like, "Yeah, I didn't have a time to write a short letter, so I wrote a, a long one instead." You know, yeah, it's it, one of my it, favorites. Yeah, it's so it's absolutely true. You know, it goes back to this idea of finding trusted resources. But um, you're right. I mean, Mike, look, I do this all the time. I read every day, and I tap out of probably at least half the articles that I that I start reading because it gets too granular or too off base or, or, or whatnot. So it, it is tough, but, uh, you got to do it. You know, it's, there's that, you know, a lot of people like to quote, uh, Warren Buffett. I, I think Charlie Munger has better quotes, but he had, he had one, um, a couple years ago. He said in my whole life, I have known no wise people over a broad subject matter area who didn't read all the time. None, zero. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. You know, all the writing that we do here, uh, you got to have an inspiration for that writing. You got to have inspiration for original thought or leveraging other people's thoughts. And, and a lot of that comes back to finding the time to read or consume some type of content. 
So I'm finding myself reading more because we're doing the podcast, right? We're looking for topics to talk about. And um, one of the things that, <laughs> that I came across a couple of days, I guess it was just yesterday, and it sort of tied into something we've been talking about. Tino, I know you've been sort of having a stroke over all these crazy collectible things, right? Uh, and all the stuff that people are paying ridiculous amounts of money for. So, so annoying. Yeah, well, you're not going to like this one. Um, I just came across an article yesterday, if you haven't seen it, that the Nike, the uh, Kanye West Air, Nike Air Yeezy One prototypes. Apparently, these are these are sneakers that he wore in the 2008 Grammys, which were the prototype for, you know, the, the very first uh, Air Yeezys. Just sold for 1.8 million dollars. One pair of sneakers. One pair of stinky old sneakers. It's just not normal. It's it's so wrong. So so the other part of this that I actually did read the entire article. It was, they were bought by a company called Rares, which is a rare sneaker investing company. So I went to their yeah, website. This is hot right now, the sneaker investing. Okay. I went to their website and they, they have a picture of these sneakers on the splash page. And it says they have been acquired and vaulted and reserve your spot to buy a share of these sneakers. I before you even said it, I knew where this is going. Ah, amazing. They also, amazing. Uh, you can also reserve a spot to buy a share of uh, a, 19, a pair of 1985 Air Jordans that they are acquiring soon. And 2010 Air Force One HOV. I don't even have any idea what these things are. But, I mean, it's literally a website where they're talking about these sneakers as though they're, I mean, they're in the vault. This is unreal. Yeah, it's it's no joke. It's a, it's it's become like a legit industry. They're securitizing sneakers. I mean, we know somebody, right, Mike? We we know um we know somebody who who collects sneakers and yeah yeah. You know, it, I didn't it, realize it, when when one time we were we were talking about it and just you know over drinks or something and uh, you know I, I knew he was into collecting sneakers, but you know, I didn't really realize to, to what extent. And I, and I said, you know, what's the value of your sneaker collection? Do you think? And uh, he showed me a picture and they're just in boxes in a closet. I mean, they're not displayed. They're not, it's just literally just sneakers in a box in the closet. And he tells me, Oh, I don't know, somewhere around maybe $250,000. Yeah. It's great. What? Yes. I, I almost fell down when he told me that. That's, the, but, that's, that's one share of, a, of this pair of air Yeezys. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> But he also has, over the years, built a network of connections so he can, you know, be first in line to get sneakers when they're released. And he gets these limited edition ones that are, are you know, extremely difficult, if not virtually impossible to get. I mean, it's, it's taken him years to build up this, this network of, of people in order to just acquire these sneakers. So, you know, I, I guess it's, it's just like any other industry, I guess. Here's what I sort of wonder about these things. And that's like, you know how a lot of these collectible things sort of go, you know, in and out of vogue, right? And their values, you know, you raise and, and drop precipitously over, you know, different time frames. You know, I remember Beanie Babies. I remember I had a buddy whose wife had a collection of Beanie Babies and he was telling me they were worth like fifty or $60,000. A year later, they weren't, you know, they weren't worth a ham sandwich. But I'm sort of wondering if now because these things are, have become so mainstream and because now you literally have these sites that are selling shares that are SEC registered and all this other stuff. You know, do you think that, that sort of, I don't know, will, will create a situation where they do hold the value? 
Well, you know, things have value because people perceive them of having value. You know, I, I would say that uh, to me, when you when you look at collectibles, there's also the, a, a component of there's there's a little bit of ADD that goes on in this in this community where like today it's really interesting to have sneakers, but then tomorrow it might be something else, and then you've got a liquidity issue because you want to move your money from sneakers over to uh, Pokemon cards or whatever whatever else it is. Wine is a good example. I mean, it's all the same thing, uh, but you know, it's it, it, the the whole adage of you know being successful in markets, you have to anticipate the anticipation of others. You got to be the first one out the door. And, and to do that, it's like any other market. It's hard to do. So, um, we've seen that a little bit. Look at, look at the uh, NBA top shot. We talked about a couple weeks ago The that's that NFT thing that, that the NBA has where you can go on and like download or, or buy like a, a LeBron dunk or whatever. This thing was hot as can be back in February. But if you add up all the, the entire market value of top shot since then, it's down like 60% and it's been weeks. Right. So, but some of this stuff has some, you know, like wine, you just mentioned wine. I mean, that's got some stability to the values, right? They don't vary as much as things like baseball cards, do they? Yeah. And I actually, I think, I think the sneakers will, I I don't know if I'll say all of them will, will last longer, but I think something like a pair of Jordans worn by Jordan, I think have some sustainability, right? Because, you know, unless somebody comes along I mean, I guess you could argue LeBron has come along and, and sort of, you know, some people will say has knocked Jordan off his pedestal, whether you agree or not, I don't know. But nobody's come along to just decimate Jordan's legacy, right? Until that happens, if that ever happens, which it probably won't. I, I mean, I think those, the value of those sneakers will, will, will hold. But those Yeezys, I don't think so because, you know, in 10 years, people are going to forget who Kanye West even is. You know, it's not like he's cemented his place in, in music history. Um, you know, he's, he's famous right now. Um, but in a couple of years, 10 years, maybe, you know, he, he's a has-been Jordan's not. Yeah. So I've got a buddy that, that collected uh, Rem, you may remember uh, a guy I used to work with collected rock memorabilia, guitars and all kinds of random things. And I remember he bought the, uh, the purple coat that Prince wore in purple rain for like, no way. Grand. Yeah. Yeah. No, he has it. And, um, and he had it in his office on like a, a mannequin. And when he bought it, though, it was at a period of time that, you know, Prince, you know, these guys sort of go up and down in popularity and Prince was, and it was right at that period when he had changed his name to a symbol and everybody thought he was kind of wacky. And he bought this thing for like a grand. Um, you know, I, I don't have any idea what it's worth now, but, you know, you wonder about the value of those sorts of things. Those are more one of a kind sort of things, right? Yeah. And, and they also have something like, I know it sort of feels natural to relate it to Beanie Babies, but Beanie Babies didn't have anything to to back it, right? It was just, it was what it was. Whereas some of these things are backed by the fact that somebody uh, famous wore them or somebody famous designed them, or there's something else to whatever whatever it is that that people are collecting at the moment versus just this is a stuffed animal that there's just not a lot of other stuffed animals like it, or I guess that's what Beanie Baby is. Yeah, well, it's like it's like uh, professional jerseys, right? If they're if they're game worn, they're worth like you know a million times more. Yeah, than if right. Just a something that the guy owned. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's like analogous things. to like a Brady jersey now, right? If you have a a, a Brady jersey, or, or I think we were just talking about a Tom Brady card uh, trading card a couple weeks ago, or something like that. Right? And, and until somebody comes along and knocks Brady off that that pedestal, which I mean, is that ever going to happen? Unlikely. You would think it's got to retain its value. I mean, in a hundred years, people are still going to know who Tom Brady was, yeah, provided there's still an NFL. 
Yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah, but these things, these collectibles, this is not the first time stuff like this has happened, right? And and if you look and when collectibles and other types of items become popular like this, it all is based off of where we are in the economic cycle and how much money people have in their bank accounts and levels of boredom uh, out there. And these are all at all-time highs right now. So um, it would make sense for things like collectibles to to take off, but 1.3 million for sneakers. I mean, I'm going to go back to it. 1.8. Oh, excuse me, 1.8. 1. You missed 1. by 500 a discount. 500 grand just gone. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's an indication that that I think that the world is 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 too happy or good of a place right now. We need a, a, like a serious world war, world war at this point to kind of level set the situation. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, you got coronavirus. Is, is that not enough for you? Or you need to up the uh, well, game a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it's 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 simply amazing that um, you know that that the the amount of disposable income that's going into some of these things. And again, I don't want to rip on people. Look, if you find value in something, that's fine. It's not a big deal. But like, one point eight million dollars for sneakers. I, you know, there's certain things I just can't understand. And that's that's very very high on the list. The interesting thing about those sneakers in particular is that if you had somebody, if you had like uh, Bezos. Right, and he bought them. I go, mm, the guy's got unlimited money, and he really wants them, so who cares? But it's being bought by an investment firm, which is what I think is a little strange. Yeah, well, they're securitizing what, sneakers. It's crazy, right? Well, what's the opportunity work? for return on those things? Who else is going? I mean, that's what you're investing in for is a return, correct? I mean, where do you go from there? Well, you know, Mike, you said a few minutes ago when you said, "Look, you know, wine has a value," or some of these other collectibles. Like, oh, let's just let's throw gold or silver in there. They've been they've been a store of value for for millennia now. Uh, it, this is something that's new. It's not necessarily widely accepted. You know, some people find value in sneakers. Some people find value in NFTs, but not broad appeal to it. So that inherently makes it a, a riskier asset class. Now, this the sneaker company you're talking about. There's another one. Um, I'm going to probably screw up the name. I think it's called Masterworks, which is doing exactly what the sneaker company is doing, but they're going out and buying Picassos and Monet's, and then they offer fractional shares in these different types of um, really expensive paintings. And these shares, there's some type of a market that allows you to trade these. Uh, And, you know, to me, I thought when I, when I read about that, I'm like, this, this is actually a really smart idea because from an asset allocation perspective, you know, being able to bring in something like art, even though I wouldn't necessarily invest in it, um, you know, a Monet is going to hold its time to your point about Jordan sneakers or whatever. Monet is going to hold its value. I mean, it might go up and down along the way, but there's only one Monet and he's gone, I think. Uh, so I, I, I don't know, maybe there's something to this, but I think it just depends on the asset class. Art makes sense. Sneakers, I scratch my head over. NFTs, don't get me started. Right. Yeezys are the new Monet's, I guess. I didn't even know what a Yeezy was. I, I so Kanye is a billionaire. I, I mean, had no idea about this about six months ago, and somebody mentioned it to me. I thought he was lying, so I looked it up, and he made. They said he made all his money on these Yeezy things. I, I didn't even know what a Yeezy was. So well, maybe there's did. a, maybe there's a, yeah, there's a downside for for me not watching the news, but. Um, yeah, wild. So last week I sent out an email, um, which included a survey with some questions, uh, about the podcast. We are, uh, on our 13th episode. So we're three months in, we've sort of changed the format slightly here and there, um, you know, based on, on just our own opinions, but it sort of occurred to me that we, we hadn't really gotten a, a lot of feedback from our listeners. Uh, and I wanted to find out a little bit more about, you know, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? 
Uh, what do people like? What they don't like? Um, so I did send that that out. I got quite a bit of response. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of those questions and what the responses were that we got, and maybe talk about how we're going to change the podcast because of that uh, that feedback. So I'm not going to go through all of the questions, but I'll go through a, a few and, and and what the the feedback was on each. So the first one was just tell us what you like about the podcast. And we had an overwhelming 88.9% respond that they enjoyed the topics that we talk about. So that certainly won't change. Um, and, and I was, I was a little bit surprised to be honest. That's, that's a heavily weighted number. 88. And, I mean, we talk about some silly stuff. That's kind of surprising. It, it is surprising and it's not necessarily consistent. I think our topics are, you know, I don't want to say all over the place, but but it's not like we've maintained this, like we talk about X every single week, although crypto seems to creep into our conversations every week, but unintentionally usually. And collectibles. And collectibles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 80s movies. And, and 80s. Well, we, we don't have enough of that. I, I know that. Second question, who is your favorite personality? <laughs> so I, I, I threw four, four answers on there, the three of us, obviously. And I also gave the chance for people to respond and say, nobody they don't like any of us uh in interesting interesting feedback uh 34 said they don't like any of us <laughs> <laughs> one out of three okay yeah yeah one out of three people doesn't <laughs> like an, uh, any of us but they're still listening so so some, we're doing something right uh tino came in second place 31 percent. Oh. nice job tino i'm a little afraid i'm either first or last well you're not last. <laughs> Mike, Mike came in at 27% and I came in at a whopping 8%. That's so funny. Yep. I, I'm the least liked person there. Well, it's, you know, I don't know what to say. I think I'm just misunderstood. <laughs> that could be the case. <laughs> I was, it's, it's, it's funny because we talked about this, you know, uh, as these things were coming in. And so I listened to a couple episodes to try to decide which are, I try to be objective, right? Which of us do, do I like and not like? And honestly, for me, it was different based on different episodes, right? There were some episodes that I like, wow, I saw pretty good. I, I like that guy. And there was other ones. It's like, man, I saw like an idiot, you know, Tino sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And I'm just trying to keep up with the conversation. I sound really stupid. So I have no idea. Yeah. So I guess there's really nothing to change in this one. It's just, I was just curious. I, I guess I should have left that question off. Well, you got to, you have to resign. I guess yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. It's my idea to do the podcast, and I'm I'm the one that's least liked on it. Yeah, it's funny. So, anyways, I thought that was a funny one. Um, I asked, you know, we we usually cover a handful of topics. Um, I was curious if people like that, if they like that we're talking about two or three, four different things uh, per episode, or if they would prefer that we stick to a single topic. And it was almost a 50-50 split. So it was 53-47. 53, it, it was uh, leaning towards, yes, please stick to a single topic. But, you know, it's 50-50. You know, I, 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 can, I can go both ways on that one. I can see value on, on both sides. What do you guys think? I, I have a hard time sticking to a single topic, to be honest with you, because I feel like our conversations sort of flow from one thing into the next. And it just seems more organic to me to, to you know, talk about something that reminds you of something else, you move it to another topic. But I, I don't know. I sort of go either way. I tend to like the generalist approach where we kind of high level touch on a couple of themes to Mike's point, time together. Once you get a little too deep or too granular, then, you know, you're, there are some people out there that can maybe appreciate the, that level of depth, but a lot of times you start losing people pretty quickly. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Next question is, 
would you like us to change anything? And I gave a, a handful of options to change. Besides, um, besides the hosts? Yeah, besides, I, no, the host was there. I think I, I think I did include that. But that wasn't the number one response, thankfully. Number one is 60%, which is a, a, also a pretty good number, would like more episodes. So uh, people don't like us, but they, but they want more of us. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'll take that. And then there was a few uh, just just random comments. Um, we had some suggestions. Um, some people had asked if, if maybe we thought about bringing on some guests to the show. Um, there were a handful of people that, that asked for some background information on the three of us because we've never really given that. Some people asked about listener participation uh, and a handful of other things. I got all of this information. I thought about it for, for quite a bit. Um, the three of us you know, had a couple conversations about this. And, and we, we decided that we would try to make a few changes based on this feedback. So let's talk about some of those changes. The first one and the most obvious one, people want more episodes. So, you know, it is a little bit rough to, to do this on a, a daily basis. Uh, I'm not sure if we're there yet, but um, I, I think we can up it to a handful of episodes a week. And, and we had talked about uh, moving to two episodes a week. Yeah, depending on the format, right? Some of these things are, are pretty long. I mean, if we, if we keep it to a a little shorter. I mean, there's a big time commitment to do this, but yeah, listen, I think a couple episodes a week is not unreasonable. Yeah. There's no shortage of, uh, of drama these days in particular sure. financial markets. So there's uh, kind of constant news flow to discuss also in the, you know, what would you like us to change? One of the options for some, for somebody to choose was they'd like shorter episodes. I, I don't remember what the percentage was on that, but, but that was also, um, a, a higher percentage. It was somewhere around 45, 50% said they would prefer if, if some of the episodes were shorter. And some of our episodes are quite long. You know, we've had some that have gone for, for 40 minutes or longer. So, so I think that co combined, you know, if we can, if we can shorten the episodes combined with doing a couple a week, I think that that's a nice format. So, so I think, you know, moving to maybe two episodes a week, max of 10 or 15 minutes sort of accommodates uh, both of those requests. What do you guys think? Sounds great. I'm in. I also had a few comments about um, YouTube. Uh, people saying that they would prefer it if they could watch us on YouTube. And, and I think that's a great idea. I'd, I'd love to move to YouTube. Uh, so I was thinking about setting up a channel and maybe we could start recording this and, and putting some videos together too. So literally today, um, I got a call from a guy. You know, you put a clip on uh, LinkedIn yes, uh, of a little bit of a video of us. And I got a call from somebody today that I hadn't talked to in quite some time, somebody in the business who saw the thing. And he literally goes, oh my God, I saw this clip of you guys on uh, on LinkedIn. And you look like you're like legit, you know, podcast guys. Because I thought you were just like a, co a couple, a couple of jokers with a microphone. But this, this changes my whole perception seeing, the, seeing the video. I thought that was interesting. I never expected to hear that. Uh, little does he know we are just a bunch of jokers with microphones. But oh, now he's a bunch <laughs> of joke, right. jokers with microphones that he can see. It makes a difference. There we go. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Another thing is, and I, I think that that we we had actually talked about this before. I think we just haven't really had the time to put it together. But I think maybe we should put a little bit more focus on it. Is we talked about doing some bonus episodes, episodes that weren't within the um, the regular uh, Friday routine, or now you know maybe a Tuesday and Friday routine that or maybe a little bit different. And, and I think maybe we could put something behind that now. So what I was thinking is maybe we can do some bonus episodes um, that are a little bit more interview style where we can interview, um, you know, one person can interview one of the three of us, um, get a little bit more background information and, and, and learn about who we are and where we come from and why we decided to do this podcast, you know, to begin with, um, as well as maybe some interviews uh, on some guests. We can bring in some some industry people. Maybe we can bring on a few listeners would be great. Um, you know, and, and, and see where that goes. You should send out another uh, survey specifically on the, the interview thing 
and ask what people really want to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what they want to know. Yeah, that would be a, a that might be some frightening responses. I didn't say we'd read the results on the air, but I just like to see what the responses are. Yeah, well, we could certainly do that. And I think I'll send something else out to find out what what people um, would like to know in general. Just you know, whether it's about us or whether it's about our guests or what type of guests they would like us to bring on. You know, I think we've got the um, rare opportunity to bring on guests from all different parts of the industry, and we have the opportunity to bring on guests who who you know maybe just starting out in in the investing world or maybe haven't started out yet and are thinking about talk about some of the questions that somebody like that might have maybe tino can get warren buffett for us yeah yeah he and i are real tight maybe jamie diamond oh lord please don't let me be misunderstood this podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management LLC and Darwin Advisors LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein. Shit. And that's one thing I never